Fellowship Church, the Lord be with you. What are you longing for? World peace? Something on your Amazon wish list? A restored relationship? A Big Ten championship? Better health? One more conversation with a loved one? What are you longing for? Around this time of the year, as the world ramps up with its Christmas fever, we as a Christian church try to slow down to acknowledge and to affirm that while the world is not right, there will come a day when all will be made right. That while our hearts are restless and ache, there will come a day when all things are restored. While brokenness and pain exist in this world and in us, there will come a day when all will be redeemed. The season that we're in in the Christian church is called Advent. It's the season when we intentionally wait, anticipate, long for the restoration of this world. A time of year when we don't just ask, what are you longing for? But maybe even more so, who are you longing for? And who do we wait for? Who do we long to restore? But the one we know as wisdom, Lord and ruler, root of Jesse, key of David, radiant dawn, king of the nations, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who came and the one who will come again. He is the worthy one. He is the one who John, in his revelation, asked, when asked, who is worthy to open the scroll? The elders said, see, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who has conquered, he is the one who is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. As a people, as we wait, as we long for, as we yearn for the world to be made right, we can still stand and sing because of God's grace in Jesus Christ. He is the one who is worthy of our praise. Let's stand and sing together.
be seated. Friends, our worship series this Advent is borrowing from an ancient church tradition that dates back to the 6th century AD. It's called the O Antiphons. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe not. It's my latest obsession, so I could talk for hours with you about what I'm learning and why I love them. So settle in. Thanks, that was a joke. Uh, I have three minutes, <laughs> and I've really only scratched the surface in this ancient tradition, but it is beautiful. Um, put briefly, the O Antiphons are a collection of seven Latin chants. Antiphon actually means chant in Latin, and they've been traditionally used as evening prayers in the final week of Advent leading up to Christmas Eve. Each chant begins with and focuses on a different title for Jesus. And in fact, Pastor Nate foreshadowed that for us in everything he listed. Those are the O Antiphons. Those are the titles of Jesus in, that he mentioned in the call to worship. Um, these O Antiphons later on were used as the basis of an English Advent carol that we know as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We've chosen four of these titles to focus on for the four worship services these Sundays of Advent. If you want to learn more about all seven of the O Antiphons and take them in artistically and devotionally, our gallery has been designed. It's just right outside the sanctuary on this curved wall there. It's been designed in an effort to help you do that. So definitely check that out over the next month. There's a lot there. Friends, these chants are deeply rooted in scripture and in truth, and they do not lack in feeling. They are authentic cries to a God who hears and loves. In modern day, our chants are typically a sports stadium experience, right? Uh, when voices and heartbeats are united in purpose and in longing or hope. Well, we wanna bring a little bit of that energy and experience to our Advent candle lighting prayer each week of Advent. So we're gonna try something a little different and pray a chant together with a dynamic, with rhythm and with feeling, or at least we're gonna do our best at trying, right? Um, will you give it a try with us? <laughs> Let's, let's not be too afraid to take ourselves, um, we take God seriously, but not ourselves too seriously. Yes, I got that right. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is I'll, I'll guide you through and we'll practice a little bit um, and then we'll, we'll do it together. Um, so first, um, what we'll do is we'll light the Advent candle, then there will be a one all prayer. You guys join in and the all will be the one and then there will be this chant. So we're going to split the sanctuary down the middle. You guys are the left when it says left on the screen, and you guys are the right, and then there's the all. But up here, we're going to lead you through the whole thing, so you'll never be alone. We won't split on stage here. So left, right, left, right. We'll go left, right, together, left, right, together. Okay, let's talk about the dynamics. We're going to do four chants, the four that we're focusing in on. We're going to start with kind of an excited whisper, and we'll say, like, even so, come, Lord Jesus the energy of an excited whisper. And then the next is a little louder. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And by the fourth, even so, come Lord Jesus. So can you practice that with me? Let's start with the excited whisper. Ready? Even so, come Lord Jesus. 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 Okay, now we're gonna add a beat to that. Megan's gonna start us, and we'll do that, those four together. Even so, come Lord Jesus. 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 You guys crushed it. Okay, now that the practice is over, we can kind of engage ourselves a little bit more from a place of crying out to God with these words and making them our own. Let's light the Christ candle, Sophie's ready. People of God, Christ has come, and Christ will come again. We light this first candle of Advent in the hope of Christ's second coming. O root of Jesse, you reach deep down into the darkness of the earth and stir the earth's longings for deliverance and hope. Raise up within our own lives a spirit of courage and strength of wisdom and insight, that we may be your co-workers in your kingdom coming to earth through the name of the one who is the beginning of the ages, Christ our Lord, amen.
reach deep down and stir up hope. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Awaken the dawn, dispel earth's darkness with sunrise of Shalom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. O King of nations, unite to your world in joy of your reign. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. O Emmanuel, child of promise, stay with us in love. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. would you stand? It is because of Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection that we have peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you to share a sign of that peace, and our kids three years through third grade are dismissed now for children in worship.
I'm actually going to invite you to stand again or remain standing. Sorry. I was about to walk off. Um, we're going to sing one more Advent hymn as we prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Um, it is in our hymnal, but we're doing a different verse. So if you want to look it up, it's number two, but there's going to be a verse that's missing. Let's sing together. Well, good morning, church and friends and guests. The Lord be with you. It admittedly feels a little bit strange to step up here into the pulpit this morning in normal clothes. After four weeks of shenanigans, we spent four weeks here at Fellowship celebrating God's faithfulness throughout the generations and four weeks remembering that when you know who you are, you know what to do. And at Fellowship Church, we are a people who want to be real and unifying, inviting, and equipping. It was a good journey together. But now, of course, as you already know, we are turning into the season of Advent where we wait with eager anticipation the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our scriptures for this morning come to us from three different books. Hebrews chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 11, and Revelation chapter 5. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love Hebrews begins by saying this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also created the whole world. And then the prophet Isaiah says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place 
will be glorious. And then John, in the book of Revelation, says, Then I looked and saw in the right hand of him who sat on a throne a scroll with writing on both sides of it, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to, the open, to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. For see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So first things first, I must admit to you as we get started here, a a kind of long-term adult crush that I have. I love trees. I love trees. These are some pictures of us on a family vacation out to the great sequoia trees in Northern California. That's General Sherman right there, the largest tree on planet Earth measured by volume. The other one is us inside of a different tree and you can't even see us. The tree is so huge. I love trees. I don't love them scientifically, not really concerned about coniferous and deciduous or whatever they're called. I don't have a leaf collection in my basement, but I do love trees and I love them more so because of their beautiful place in this world and also especially because of the spiritual significance that is given to them in our scriptures. Trees are a great metaphor for life. In fact, if you take your Bible and read it from start to finish, you'll find that trees appear in the very beginning, at the very end, and even right smack in the middle. In the book of Genesis, chapters one through three, in the Garden of Eden, there's two prominent trees. I like to picture them as towering over many of the others. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and there's the tree of life. Jump to the very end of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, and you'll see again the tree of life comes back and it's straddling this river of life and the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. Pretty cool. Right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 1, that's the image especially that you're looking at up there, describes God's people, the faithful ones. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and in whatever they do, they prosper, it says, which is the opposite of the wicked, according to the scriptures. And that's described in Jeremiah chapter 17, more like a tumbleweed. It's unrooted, it's dry and dead, and it's blowing back and forth with the winds. Trees are a great metaphor for life in this world and even especially for the spiritual life too. When I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Millbrook CRC, Christian Reformed Church, we used to get visited sometimes by the blue singing Psalter hymnal. I don't know if anybody remembers this too. It's burned into my memory. I don't know if it's in a good way, but that thing would show up at our church in costume and sometimes sing songs, including the tree song, which I think is a song by Ken Miedema, and I've remembered it ever since. I love the song. It says, I've got roots going down to the wall. I've got leaves growing up to the sunshine. I'm becoming what the Lord of trees has made me to be, a strong young tree. I see you singing along with me. Come on. So as we begin our journey into the antiphons of Advent, I hope that you're noticing with me from the very start that it's all about a tree. And especially Isaiah chapter 11, verse one, it's about a tree and its three parts. Remember what the text said. It said, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And the two main characters that this text is talking about are, of course, first of all, Jesse, who is basically an almost nobody from Nowheresville. He's from Bethlehem, the least of the tribes of Judah, a forgettable place. And, and, and Jesse is also an unsuspecting, unspectacular person, but he becomes the father of King David, royal lineage. So Jesse is the first one it's about, but even more so, it's about Jesus. And Jesus is the root. Jesus is the shoot coming off from this tree of Jesse. 
Therefore, the first antiphon of Advent that we're gonna celebrate this morning is come, Lord Jesus, O root, O shoot of Jesse. And I wanna consider that antiphon with you alongside it as a tree and the three parts we see in a tree. So let's start with the roots, okay? Roots are the source. In nature, roots are the support system of a tree, the source of its life. The roots dig down deep, of course, into the bedrocks of this planet. They go into rich and enriching soils. They go down into the waters of life. And tree roots often interlock with one another in a forest, and they become a kind of community of trees that help each other stand. If you've ever wandered through an old-growth forest, one that's never been timbered, and you look around, maybe you'll wonder a bit like I do, why do some of these trees grow so huge and tall and strong and others don't? The answer is quite often found in the roots of those very trees. In scripture, roots are similarly presented as our source of life and of our strength, and they are the thing that hold us through all the storms of life. Biblically, we are rooted in our baptismal identity, in the great truths of our scriptures. We are sustained by the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ. And without being grounded in kind of these bedrock story of God as our creator, redeemer, and sustainer, without that, we become kind of rootless and even clueless about how God is indeed holding this world with a fierce love. In history, you see, again, more of the same. Roots are often interpreted as a kind of legacy, national or a family heritage. Picture a family tree, you might, or the dynasty of an empire. And remember that at the time that Isaiah was writing this prophecy, chapter 11 especially, this was a time when he's writing about roots and stumps and branches. It is a time in which the world is a tournament of nations, a fighting of these tribes. And we know the names of these major, major people groups, right? They're the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Israelites, the Canaanites, the Babylonians, eventually the Roman Empire. And all of these people groups do what all of us really want to do. We want to have roots that would last forever. We want our legacy to never end. And the great tragedy for all of us as individuals, as families, as nations is to be uprooted, to lose your identity or to be cut off and forgotten. I have a friend whose last name is Nykamp and I've come to know this friend and his family for a long, long time and I eventually learned over the years of a family tradition that they keep in their household, as this family was growing up, each day before school, the three kids would be woken up by mom, fed breakfast, get dressed, and before they were sent off to the bus to go to school, mom would pull them aside and look them in the eyes and says, as you go out into the world today, remember first, remember first that you are a child of God and remember second that you are a night camp, okay? It was a way of rooting the family in, of course, the bedrock truth of Scripture of God's great love for us, and second, in a family's way of being in the world. Our roots matter more and before everything else. So it's got me wondering, what are your roots? Who or what do you put your trust in in the day-to-day grind of life? The hope that we have in Advent is just as Isaiah said, that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples, that the nations will rally to him and that his resting place will be glorious. And that text, of course, is talking about Jesus, who is the root and the shoot. His his legacy is everlasting. I hope you notice as you look at that text and ponder it a bit, that when we call Jesus the root of Jesse, we're recognizing not only that he is in the lineage of, that he is a descendant of King David, royal, wonderful, but he's also the source. He is the root. He is the one that has gone before, even as he is the one that comes afterwards. And so in Advent, we are invited to hold on with gritty hope 
like a tree that has deep roots, we cling to the biblical truth that God has always had good plans for us and for the world and that God will get God's way in both because the root of Jesse cannot be uprooted or cut off. Now, to be sure, really hard stuff can and does happen in this world. Don't we know it? And yet, we know nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus for us. So be rooted, friends, first of all. Be rooted in the one who is the root. And I think when you do that, you will find God holding on to you through all the storms of life. After the roots, of course, come the trunk, which can become a stump, as it does in our text for today. So let's talk stumps. In nature, a tree stump is an aberration, right? Here the tree fails, not because of its root system, but because of human decisions. It happens with a chainsaw or with an ax. And it often happens because the tree itself has become so sick or so dangerous that it must be cut down. It's not the way it's supposed to be, which is a great classic definition of what sin is also. It's not the way it's supposed to be. If you've been out and about on the town and driving on Ottawa Beach Road, perhaps you've noticed the house right by Van Weer and Hardware that has the huge stump right now. I hope you notice it now that I've said it. In scripture, like in nature, a tree stump represents death. It is being literally cut off. It's the end of a life, the end of a family, the end of a dynasty. In fact, in a way that can sometimes make us supremely uncomfortable, the Bible does speak rather clearly about God planting and uprooting and sometimes even cutting off individuals or nations. Sometimes this stumping is based on God's wrath, which is a word that really makes us uncomfortable, but it's frequent in the scriptures. And the best definition that I found of this word wrath is that it is God's right action. And God is against evil anywhere in the world because God is for good everywhere in the world. And so sometimes this stumping happens because of God's wrath. Other times, the stumping happens because of God's discipline. We know that also in the scriptures, that God prunes the trees sometimes, cuts them back so that more growth can happen. And it says that the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. So maybe the stumping is more like a pruning. Still other times, the stumping is entirely undeserved. Remember the story of Job? He gets stumped because he is righteous. Doesn't make a ton of sense, really. Or finally, the stumping sometimes happened and it's entirely unexplained. Like in Luke chapter 13, where people come to Jesus and name two great tragedies that had recently happened in the world and they have their theories about why. They say, Jesus, did it happen because of this? And Jesus says, no, no. And he leaves it unexplained as to why the things actually did yet still happen. In history, it's still more of the same. Stumps are this kind of dead end. The biblical imagery reflects the historical reality, so much so that if we look at the long history of the world, you see that many of the great dynasties that once existed don't exist anymore. The Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the Mongol Empire, these have now become stumps. Fascinatingly, though, if you look back at our text, especially Isaiah chapter 11, the text right before it speaks to this very same issue that we're thinking about now. At the time that Isaiah is writing, the majorly feared people of the time were the Assyrians. In fact, the Assyrians have been noted as probably the most ruthless people in all of antiquity. They were the people that you absolutely did not want to fall into the hands of, the Assyrians. And the imagery in the text is that these Assyrians are not only like a big, strong tree, they're like a whole forest. And they're all around you. And the text is describing that same scene and suggesting that even that will be cut down. Meanwhile, and high contrast, is that this one little tree, this one little stump of a tree, the Jesse tree, that one has an undying root. And it has a shoot that lasts forever. 
Before we move on to the shoot and talk about the branch and the good stuff that goes there, I want to consider with you figuratively just a minute a few ways in which you too may have been stumped in life lately, in big ways or in small ways. Maybe your stumping has happened because of your words. I know I do this way too often, more than I would like to admit. I say something that I shouldn't, and before, it's, before I can stop it, it's already out, and I can't put it back in. I cut someone else down, and before I know it, they're cutting me back down too, and it doesn't take long before we're both stumps. Maybe you're a stump because of a deed that's been done. Something done by you or something done to you and it wasn't good, but now you sure feel a bit like a tree stump. Maybe the stumping is unexplainable. You don't know why it happened and you or someone else didn't deserve it, but it happened anyways. And you're left feeling like you're on the brink of losing everything from your identity to your legacy and more. But friends, the hope of Advent is that just when this world seems to be at its worst, when it seems that all the good stuff is gone, fully stumped, including Jesse's tree, that, friends, is exactly when the O antiphons kick in. O root of Jesse. O bright morning star, O king of nations, O God with us, come. Come bring light where there is only darkness. Come bring hope where it feels like despair. Come bring life where there seems to be only death. And thanks be to God, that is exactly what God does. The stump of Jesse still has a root. The root becomes a shoot And we call that day Christmas. And it's good news for all the world to hear. Which brings us to that third part of a tree, the branches or the shoot that is coming forth. Let's consider that a minute. In nature, of course, it is the branches of a tree that bear fruit. In nature, it's the branches of a tree that bless the world offering nesting space for birds, food for humans to eat, shade for weary travelers. In nature, it's the leaves of a tree that turn beautiful in the fall, and it's even scientifically, it's the leaves of the tree that actually turn carbon dioxide into oxygen, which is the fuel for life on this planet. The branches are the things that bless the world. In scripture, the branch, the twig, the shoot, These are symbols of new life, but it's symbols of restoration and of continuation. So remember the great story of Noah and the flood and how eventually he sends out a dove and that dove comes back with a twig in its mouth and that twig is a symbol of life beginning again on planet earth, that there has not been total annihilation. In the Isaiah text, this shoot coming off of the stump of Jesse is similarly a symbol of life beginning again, but in the same old place. In the New Testament, uh, Dr. Reverend Suzanne McDonald uh, drew this out wonderfully for us last Wednesday night, uh, the same idea. In the New Testament, there's two Greek words for new. One of them is the word neos, which means brand new or unused. And the other word is kainos, meaning renewed or restored, transformed. When the New Testament talks about a new covenant or a new Jerusalem or about us having a new body, it's talking about these things not being brand new, but being renewed or restored like a, like a shoot coming off of a stump. When Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new, he doesn't say I'm making all new things. That's different. So if you look again now at our Hebrews text, I got a chart for you. Lean into this with me for just a second. I think you'll see what I'm talking about here. These two different kinds of new, and it actually is a continuation of the work that God has been up to all along. The text shows us that the shoot coming off of the stump is actually still the same God working the same plan among the same people towards the same end. What's new, it's not brand new, but renewed, again, like a shoot coming off of a stump. What's new is that long ago, and in many ways, 
And many times God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets. But now in the last days, God is speaking to us and he is speaking to us by a son. The one who was the one through whom all things were created is also the one who is to be the heir of all things. The root is the shoot. Elsewhere in the Bible, this is said similarly that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God is not done with us or this world just yet. And I think we can relate to this too, friends. When you have been stumped in life, and yet you experience still something of God, that's the root becoming a shoot. When tragedy strikes in your life and the problem seems unfixable, and yet you have a peace that passes understanding, that's the root becoming a shoot. When war ravages our world all night long and unspeakable things happen throughout, and yet the sun still rises and God's Mercies are new every morning. That's the root becoming a shoot. When your own sin or someone else's really does kind of ruin your life. And yet the final word spoken by Jesus is still forgiven. That's the root becoming a shoot. And that, friends, is our Advent hope. Not that God would abandon us when things are at their worst, scrap everything and start over, But instead, the advent hope is that the root becomes the shoot, that the alpha is the omega, that the ark of God's salvation would go full circle and that God would actually complete the good work that he has begun in us and in the world. And to that end, we say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, O root, O shoot of Jesse, for our world our hope, our rescue, our future, it all belongs to you. And that's why in his name, we can sing, I've got roots going down to the waters. I've got leaves growing up to the sunshine. I'm becoming what the Lord of trees has made me to be, a strong young tree. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning we get to feast at the table that God has set for us. At this table, we taste the new life that shoots forth in Jesus Christ. At this table, our roots are planted in Christ, our source. At this table, our stumped souls are nourished back to health by the Holy Spirit. And at this table, we branches are fed that we may bear fruit in keeping with Christ and his kingdom. The Holy Supper, which we are about to celebrate, is for us a feast of remembrance, communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sent of the Father into the world and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. And by his death and resurrection and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be welcomed back into friendship with our God. We come to have communion with the same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. As the bread, he strengthens us unto eternal life. As the vine, he is the one in in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. And in the bread and the cup, by the power of the Holy Spirit, our own hearts are lifted up into communion with the resurrected and the ascended Christ. And we come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and a foretaste of the eternal, joyful feast that we will get to enjoy and partake when Christ's kingdom has fully come, made like unto him in his glory. And since by his death and his resurrection and his ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us to God and to one another as one body, we receive the supper in love and fellowship for God's people, the church both those present and those who have gone before, allowing each other's love to multiply our own love for our triune God as we join in fellowship at Christ's table. Maybe it's remembrance of Christ's sacrificial love in the face of your own stumped soul. 
Maybe it's fresh communion with Christ in a season of distraction and exhaustion and busyness. Maybe it's a shining hope that in Christ, all things are being made new, despite the brokenness that you see in our world. Whichever it is, remembrance, communion, and hope, here at Fellowship, all who love God and are learning to follow Jesus are welcomed to feast and be refueled at this table. Pray together. Oh God, it's always fitting to give you thanks and praise, and especially at this table. For here we pause together to recognize you as creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all creation. For you bring forth flowers in the desert, and you water in a weary land. Now you have made for us a highway in the wilderness where your people, once captive, may return with songs of joy. Therefore we praise you with choirs of angels, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all the faithful from every time and place for, and for, for who forever sing to the glory of your name. For you are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. In Christ we have seen and heard the good news of God. The sick are healed, strangers are welcomed, the poor have hope, and the dead are raised to new life. By his resurrection from the dead, we receive life everlasting. Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and cup and joyfully celebrate your dying and rising as we wait for the day of your coming. With thanksgiving, we offer ourselves to you to be living and holy sacrifices dedicated to your service. And so, gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and cup, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be the communion of your body and blood, O Christ. And by your Spirit, unite us with Christ and with your whole church in all the world. Help us to grow in faith and love as your people in Christ. Strengthen our hearts and teach us patience as we watch and pray for the coming of the Lord. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. On the same night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that same night, after a little time had passed, Jesus took the cup and he poured it full. And he gave it to his disciples saying to them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, the bread which we break and the cup which we bless is for us our communion with the resurrected Lord. This morning we will be receiving communion by intinction, which means you will come forward and after grabbing a piece of bread, you will dip it in the cup. You will come uh, exiting left out of the seats and returning on the right side of the seats as you stare forward. If you would prefer to stay in your seat, just raise your hand. There will be rovers that will be serving those in the, in, in the seats. And also, if you'd like a gluten-free station, there's one underneath the cross. My friends, these are the gifts of God for you, the people of God.
Friends, let's pray together. O oh Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, having been fed at your table this morning, we join with the psalmist to say, blessed are you, O oh Lord, our God. We bless you and we forget not all your benefits for you have forgiven all of our iniquities. You have healed all of our diseases. You redeem our life from the pit. You crown us with steadfast love and mercy and you renew our strength like that of the eagles. What can we do except turn back to you and say thank you, thank you, thank you. You are our hope. And all God's people said, amen. Just a quick word, friends, but as you are about to step out of this place, I remind you that in your bulletin, we have a lot of details of our life together, including that we have a children's pageant, uh, Wednesday, December 3. So mark your calendar for that one. 13. Today is 3. 13 plus 10. And today we go from the communion table to the brunch table. So please do go out there and find some good egg dish and some yummy cinnamon rolls and more and as you go from this place, may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.